0: Peace. Welcome to Season 2 of Bootstraps Podcast. Whether you're a loyal listener coming back for more, or this is your first episode, I'm happy that you're here. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram, at Bootstraps Podcast. The mission of Bootstraps is simple yet important. Our goal is to light the path to success for Black folks trying to make a better life for themselves. This season, we're going to place a specific emphasis on entrepreneurship, Highlighting various paths to creating wealth by building your own business. To kick season two off, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Justin Forsett, a UC Berkeley alum, former NFL running back, and now the co-founder and CEO of Hustle Clean, a blossoming personal care brand. Let's get into it. Peace everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bootstraps. I'm your host, a and today I am I am honored to have Justin Forsett, who's the CEO and co-founder at Hustle Clean. Uh, Justin, why don't you go ahead and tell us about Hustle Clean and uh, what it is that you guys are doing and why the world needs you.
1: Man, yeah, no, thank you for the opportunity and the platform to share today. Uh, Again, my name is Justin Forsett. I am the founder co-founder and ceo of hustle clean which is a a mission driven self-care brand for the active lifestyle uh we enable the everyday athlete or fitness enthusiast to do more and be more without compromise and uh yeah started started this brand um from a pain point i experienced in my background playing sports and fitness being in sports and fitness most of my life and uh been uh, really an amazing journey that we've, t- we've taken since start carving out this idea within the you know uh, uh, nfl locker room uh now placing down in the world and you know seeing it expand to you know the walmarts and targets of the world it's been uh it's been an amazing ride
0: and that's what's up so let me let me ask you this so you, so you talk about uh hustle clean helping people in an active fitness lifestyle like what mm-hmm. exactly does hustle clean do and, and how did the idea come to you
1: yeah so hustle clean our mission is to really unlock and restore the the most active people in the planet um we feel that um this this hustle this hustle culture the the hustler out there is you know living a dynamic life with a dynamic schedule and they're very time poor so we free them up to be able to accomplish their dreams and live out their full potential in life by providing tools that just makes it more easy for them uh throughout their day and uh yeah, the idea came from uh, us being in a locker room, my teammates and I came up with the concept uh, where we knew within the, the sports world that there was Gatorade for hydration, there was like muscle milk for recovery, there was, you know, Under Armour, Nike, Adidas for apparel, but there was nothing that spoke authentically to the active consumer when it came to self care or even personal care. So uh, we aimed to address the 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 problem when a shower was optimal but not possible at first. Uh, so we came out with a disposable toilet that removes sweat, dirt, and body odor for this consumer and uh, put it out into the marketplace and uh, got rave reviews. And we've just been building off of that with our, our additional product offering where it's all products that complement that, that component of when this consumer is in motion.
0: Right, right. And I think that some something that you said, I've never heard this phrase before, but I think it's brilliant, which is time poor. You know, yeah. people are people are on the go. I mean, nothing, nothing more than like a busy professional athlete or in your specific instance, you know, NFL football player, grind, grind, grind. You gotta go from here to there to there. And you wanna make sure that you're fresh and clean and not, you know, make sure you maintain your hygiene. I can see that concept of time poor, but I can also see there being a much broader market, right? Cause this hustle right. culture always on the go is just, it's pervasive in our society.
1: For for sure, and it's 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 only getting busier, especially with the, you know, introduction of uh, a COVID and pandemic. Um, You know that that work. It's really that interesting dynamic between that work and life merger, like where more people are just like busy throughout their day because. You know, there's really no cutoff, there's no segmentation anymore. Like right. if you're working from home, you're also you got the kids maybe in the other room, you got pets in the other room, and you're trying to maybe this consumer trying to, you know, practice health and wellness, you're trying to get a workout in while balancing everything around you. And uh it's just it just makes for uh, uh a hectic lifestyle. So we're trying to right. redefine hustle and make sure that this consumer is taking care of themselves in the process of going after their dreams
0: that's what's up man that's what's up so let me let me ask you this so you, you get the idea and you say you guys launched with the with the towelette mm-hmm. that, that was your original product trying yep. to want this to be somewhat illustrative for other people out there who are trying to do something similar not necessarily this exact type of product but trying to take an idea they have in their head and turn it into an actual real business so can you give like a high level like what, what was it like going from like, yeah, we got this idea hanging around a locker room to you actually now have your first set of products in hand ready to sell? Like, what, what was that process like going from idea to launch?
1: Oh, man. Uh, it was uh, early on. And we're talking about, you know, uh, around 2012 when, when the concept idea uh, came about. And it was Google as much as we can. We knew no one in the space. Uh, We just knew uh, what we wanted from the product, so constantly talking to manufacturers, uh, getting samples, uh, playing with different substrates uh, that would blend well within this this environment that this consumer was in. Uh, We knew we wanted ingredients in there that were clean, that also you know not only kill germs but also build the dermis back up. So you know, working and studying, researching to see you know what kind of uh, uh what that chemistry would look like and work with our manufacturer to in order to to do that and uh it was a lot of work uh definitely uh, a couple months to a year process and then we we had a package where we felt comfortable with where we could start playing with in the market constantly doing iterations to it uh the way it looked um, you know, just this one single SKU, this one product, the way it looked, the way it fe- felt uh, in the consumer's hands, and really found something that really, uh, really was uh, gaining traction. And we were stuck with that and kept, kept uh, iterating along the way, but it was uh, it was a evolving process uh, from day one. And then from that, we started gaining traction online, and felt like it was time to move from just a product to a brand. And uh, really provide this consumer with a full assortment of care, uh, addressing some of these other pain points that they had uh, within their day-to-day life as a as a hustler. And and uh, that's comes, you know, just brainstorming and talking to the consumer about what their desires are, and uh, we started coming out with other products with extensions off of the 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 body wipe that we had, but also going to hand sanitizer and some of the other more traditional personal care products.
0: That's a, that's, a, that's a great story to hear. And one of the things that came through really loud and clear is this whole iterative process, right? It's, uh, not, yeah. it's not like you can sit back and spend two years building the perfect thing. And it's also not like the the first thing you put out is going to be the thing. Like yeah. you, you put it out, you got to tweak. You said you worked the packaging several times on and on and on to get the quality right. So I think that's really important for folks out there who are trying to walk in your footsteps. Understand it. you're gonna to have to iterate, you know, you're gonna to have to try, fail, learn, get better, tweak it until you get it just right.
1: Yep, no, no, that that is definitely it. that's the one thing I encourage entrepreneurs, like be know when to push and when to pivot. I mean, um, it is, you know, when you start this thing, it's your baby, and sometimes you can hold on to things too long and, and miss your your real opportunity to uh for a breakthrough because you know, maybe the market has moved. Maybe the the desires have shifted, and uh, you're not shifting with it. So, uh, knowing when to push and pivot is 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 huge.
0: That, that's what's up. So, uh, uh, speaking of pivot, I'm gonna pivot here a little bit. I know I know the brand has gotten some ma- major coverage from the likes of Good Morning America and ESPN, some other major media outlets. Um, what are what are some of the biggest successes or victories that you've gotten with the brand so far? You and the team.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. I, I mean, we've been blessed in that department, of course, with the exposure that we've been able to get on, you know, Good Morning America with a shark tank and all those things. But uh, also us getting national distribution, you know, for us getting in Target, we started in 150 store tests and then got into a uh, full chain with, with Target in all 1,800 stores uh, a few months after, you know, having successful tests. And uh, that was great validation for us within the marketplace and allowed us to really try to build off of that product that we, that we, uh, our hero product. And uh, another win would be uh, getting on, uh, getting an, inv- having an investor, an advisor, and, um, you know, someone with a great experience in the space, uh, being that person, being Eric Ryan, who's the CEO of Method. Mm -hmm. Ali, Welly, and uh, to have him, that was like a huge inflection point for us because having someone on board as another validation point and just the guidance and expertise and the resources that he provides just you know, uh, indescribable. So that was one. And then obviously we just launched into Walmart at the end of uh, the last quarter of last year. And that has been a huge win for us. So.
0: A uh, couple in there. Wow! Wow! Well, first of all, congratulations. I mean, I'm 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 a CPG veteran, a lot of experience, having worked at some of these major corporations and have worked and got to get products on shelf at Target and Walmart. I know how hard it is to get national distribution at those chains. So, major major shout out to you and the squad for making that happen. I think another important point too is as much as you know, and the fact that you are co-founder and CEO of this company, you still sought out an advisor, right? Like you you can always learn and have people who are there put more game in your ear. So I think this is like a a, a major key for anyone listening that's thinking about starting their thing. Never be too big to where you can't take advice and learn from other people.
1: Facts, yep, I I agree. I think that companies fail because of the team. Uh, most companies fail because of the team. Uh, I would say, if it doesn't matter how good your service is or your product is, if you don't have a good team of uh, you know not only coworkers but advisors, then uh, that's very detrimental to you and, and the company. Yeah, that's real.
0: So let me let me ask you let me ask you this. So you've been navigating, you know, and getting some pretty good wins during the pandemic. What is it? What has it been like for you? Like running hustle clean during the pandemic? And has the pandemic been more of a headwind or more of a tailwind? Cause there are some businesses who've benefited from the pandemic, like food yeah. delivery services, et cetera. So has it been more of a headwind or a tailwind?
1: No, man, it has been, it has been awesome for us. I mean, we were one of the few companies there that I said that, you know, COVID really expedited our growth. Um, it is, uh, you know, we've seen over a hundred percent growth last year. Uh, we had additional distribution during that time. You know, it was definitely some challenges in there, um, that we had to overcome in order to, uh, to have the year we did, but, um, it was definitely just like I said, with the consumer behavior changing when it comes to self-care and personal care, um, hygiene being at the a priority at the forefront of it all. Uh, yeah, it it was, it was really, uh, really was a good year for us.
0: That's, that's awesome, man. Um. And let me let me ask you this in the midst of all of this you know social justice awakening mm-hmm. what what it, what advice firstly what is, let me ask you this first what has it been like for you as a as a black c e o in the midst of all this social justice awakening that's been going on the past year or so
1: <laughs> man it, it is it is crazy because you know a couple of things that was I felt like in the past, have used against me. You know, has now become my strength. So, you know, being a black-owned brand, you know, after you know all these social justice issues popping over the country, you see like retailers, you see that investors are more uh, interested in helping and partnering with you uh, now. Um, you know, the ex- the experience um, that I've had within CPG, like you know, you see more people, uh, you know, in hygiene in this sector, like just reaching out and wanting to partner, wanting to support. So, uh, it, it's been really crazy to see, um, just some of the the support and the outreach. I'm just, I'm just praying that it's sustainable and that, you know, this is something that we can continue to build on and make this thing a, a lasting change.
0: That's, that's what's up. And any, any advice you have for someone who's trying to a, a black founder that's coming behind you, trying to, get their company up and going as this this change is happening and as there's you know uh there are people who are more aware and realizing that they need to actively do something to address systemic racism like a la target right trying to make sure that you guys are getting the shelves that you need so in this environment where you know there are people out there there are investors and companies out there that are trying to actually help what advice would you have for a black founder uh, in this environment?
1: Well, uh, one, I, like I would tell any founder is uh, to make sure that, you know, you, uh, are doing everything in your power to, to, to make this business or, or the company a success, because at the end of the day, n- uh, no one's coming to help, but you like, you have to be the one that's, you know, making those the tough decisions and running a company. um, uh, and, and driving it forward uh, at this stage you're just getting started so that people are betting on you right and then also, I would say uh, specifically to the black entrepreneurs um, within the space, that we are still some of the most over mentored and underfunded groups of people. <laughs> so be just be very cautious about who you let in your circle and make sure that if you do have people in the circle that they have skin in the game as well so i think it's important that um you're locking off with the right people because you know there are a lot of people making statements about you know how supportive and they want to be helpful but uh us hold make sure you're holding people accountable to those things
0: yeah no that's real like be be leery of of the the powerpoint workshops and it's only uh, exactly. it's only the workshop. We're gonna teach you how to make this PowerPoint. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna show you a yeah. new way how to write a business plan. When the reality is, like I've seen deals. I've set, literally been at the table where deals were closed where there was no business plan at all. It was just an idea. The idea was solid. The expertise around the table could realize. Look, there's a market opportunity there. This idea will solve or will be able to capture this market opportunity. And the collective genius on this team has the ability to execute the idea. Check written or pledge committed and and people are off to the races. But for, you know, yeah. black folks oftentimes people want to help us write another PowerPoint. They want to help us <laughs> rewrite our business plan. But then when it's come time to help us get the actual gasoline in the car to move it forward, which is funding. You know, right. pe- people kind of disappear. So be mindful. It's not that the the PowerPoints and the business plan. I think a lot of ideas and a lot of founders are probably in a place where they do need to do that thinking. If you if this is not your second, third, fourth business, like there there is there is definitely some benefits to getting mentorship. But, you know, yep. to your point, like make sure you, you have people around who are who are there gonna help you get funded as well.
1: For sure. That's yep. that's
0: what's up. All right, man. So here's here's where here's where we take We take a pivot because it's always dope to look at people who are shining, who are thriving and doing their thing. I personally like to understand the process and how people became who they are. I never really look at an event and be like, oh, wow, this is this really dope event. I want to understand all the things that led up to it. The same thing for someone being great in their career. It's like, all right, you're you're CEO, co-founder of Hustle Clean. You're doing your thing. You're nationally distributed at the biggest and best retailers we have in the, in the country like how did you become this person you know so people can learn from your grind along the way and not just chase your shine you know after you've already gotten there so yeah first question i have is like what was your childhood and teenage teenage years like like what was it like for you growing up where did you grow up and what was really like the culture and values kind of around you
1: yeah, I grew up very humble beginnings. Uh grew up in a small town of three thousand people in a little, little place called Mulberry, Florida. Um, country town, couple three, four traffic lights throughout the town. And uh, you know, not a lot of people make it out to accomplish their dreams and goals and aspirations in life. Uh right, but um I grew up in a really, you know, strong family, hard working family and a hardworking town. It was like really blue collar. Um, you know, the mining industry was was huge. So Uh, You know, we didn't have a lot, bounced around, uh, you know, financial stability was an issue, Um, you know, times when, you know, I had to take baths with bottled waters, Um, I was living out of a motel, things like that, but that really led a fire for me to just like pursue more. I remember even in that motel moment, just declaring that my kids would never have to deal with, you know, uh, the issues that we were dealing with and that, you know, for me being a 12 year old, 13 year old kid at the time. And uh, I decided, you know, football was going to be my way out. Uh, saw a guy named Barry Sanders one day, and I was like, "Man, I want to do that!" <laughs> right. And uh, so I, I just went all in, and I wasn't going to let anything stop me. You know, I was thorough, school, you name it. Like I was just laser focused on trying to reach my dream, and uh, no matter all the limitations or obstacles that came in my way.
0: Uh, which I can also—it's funny—draw a direct line to. Hustle clean, not only in the products, services in that short synopsis of your childhood, yeah. but also in the name, right? Like yeah. it's a y you're all about putting that work in. It's not like expecting something to just fall in your lap. It's kind of this like I'ma win the lottery type thinking. It's like, nah, I'm gonna get out here and hustle yeah. to make this a reality.
1: Yeah, whole wholeheartedly, I think. Like I was chasing greatness and and when I think about greatness, I think about being great in both character and craft and I wanted it. I wanted to do it in a way where I can inspire that next, you know, Justin Forsett that, you know, uh, that one uh, kid that was in an underserved community that they can dream big, you know, wholeheartedly believe that, um, you know, exposure leads to expansion and, you know, want to be able to be that touch point and that example for that, that person.
0: Yeah. yeah no, that's a, that's a great point. And we were, we were talking before we actually started uh, recording here, uh, about, you know, the the Cal connection that we tangentially share. But you said exposure mm-hmm. leads to expansion. So my oldest brother is 10 years older than I am. And so his freshman year at Cal, you know, I'm eight years old. And I think I come up to visit for the first time when I'm nine. I'm in a locker room. I'm in a stadium. I go sit in his classes with him. And my whole world was changed. So I went back to South L.A., a totally different kid. Like my – I there was like pre my, my visit – to Cal and that being my first time on a college campus, my first time in a uh, division one football locker room, my first time in an elite academic institution classroom. So there was like who I was up until that trip, there was that trip and there's who I've been ever since. It was like a step function change because exposure does lead to expansion and my mind was completely expanded thereafter, you know? And so what what was that yeah. moment? What was that moment for you? Because it, ha- it begins in the mind, like you have to be like, I'm I'm really about this work and I'm committed to this work. So was it, was it just the struggles and being like, was it, was it the motel moment? Like what was that? Or was it a collection of moments? Like what was it that made you committed to making all the tough choices you made?
1: No, it, it was definitely that humble beginnings and those adversities early on in my life. Like I saw my parents struggle. I saw them work hard every day. Um, but you know, would come up short. Uh, I saw uh, the diff- difficulty and experience the difficulties of, you know, not just, of just, uh, you know, experiencing lack, like it was tough. And I just knew I wanted more for myself and for my family. And, uh, you know, I had an idea, like I said, like uh, having that Barry Sanders moment where I can look to a guy and say, okay, this guy did it. I can do it. And, and Ray Lewis is um, uh, probably the biggest star in football. It came from my county. He mm-hmm. was a city over. He um, was older than me, but he was another guy. I was like, okay, he made it out. This is a similar, you know, path. So, just right. try to go after it.
0: Right. I dig it. I dig it. So, in in chasing this and chasing this dream, what was it like for you in high school? Because that's when it, like, if you're like a legitimate football player and still trying to make sure you're handling your business in the classroom, like. That's a, yeah. that's, 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 that's a grind most people can't really understand or appreciate. And, and, so, and some of it is, you know, some yeah. of it is because I think people are haters. Like they can see all the shine you get on the football field and don't recognize yeah. how hard it is, you know, how yeah. much work you have to put in for that. But then on top of all that hard work you have to put to be excellent on the football field, you have to be great in the classroom. So what was it like for you in high school once you committed to this football grind? to try and, uh, try and make it. It was,
1: it, it was, it was me living a life that was uncommon for my age. It was, it was not having, you know, uh, a ton of friends. It was, you know, not doing everything that everybody else was doing, wasn't going out partying and drinking. It was me doing a thousand push-ups and sips and night because I heard of a guy named Herschel Walker that mm-hmm. he didn't have weight. So that's what he did. Um, and I didn't have weight. So uh, it was, you know, watching and studying film um, of uh, or watching tape or, 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 or videos online of, you know, athletes that made it out of similar situations, it was me reading books about like, Jim Abbott and Wilma Rudolph, people that had these inspiring stories that made it from humble beginnings. So my life was kind of like, you know, it was uncommon for those that were in my age it was extremely disciplined uh, and focused. So, uh, you know, when I, when I faced it, I wasn't highly recruited. Even how I got the cow, like I was supposed to go to Notre Dame and I got rejected a week before signing day and told me they didn't meet me anymore. Mm. I just remember, I mean, excelling what I could control—my attitude, my effort, my preparation—and uh, you know, months down the road, I think in you know May, I ended up Cal had a scholarship open up, and we sent tape out there, and you know, I'm signing a scholarship. Or if if not, I probably ain't going to uh, an HBCU um, down in South Carolina wow. if I had not been to Cal. But 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 yeah, that that was kind of my my high school life.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny how like life, you know, shakes out. And the one thing that popped up for me is like being able to withstand like fear, being able to like hold strong when a storm presents itself because I think a lot of times uh people buckle or they or they retreat back to what's safe. So like while you're telling that story, I'm hearing like all right, you're about to go to one of the most historic programs ever in Notre Dame. They back out at the 11th hour. There's not necessarily the the path you had envisioned for yourself is no longer in front of you. What was it like for you to, like, navigate that headspace between, like, Notre Dame and Cal, like coming in at the 11th hour with the new scholarship? How did you – like, what was that like for you? Did, you? did you start to reel? Did you start to doubt yourself? Like, did, you, did it make you like wanna go harder? Like, what was it like when, when Notre Dame backed out before Cal stepped
1: up? It was heartbreaking. It was crushing. I was a 17 year old kid at the time that right. you know, had his hopes up and family had their hopes up. And um, yeah, I was, I was crushed. I remember running down into the basement and crying my eyes out and uh, having this pivotal moment where I just had to pray to God It's like, man, something's got to change. Something's got to give. And, uh, remember after, you know, a few moments down there crying and praying and just having a sense of resolve and peace about my situation. When I got up that nothing externally had changed, but there was something on the inside of me that had changed Mm. where I was like, okay, I, I can't control what just happened to me like that. Like, it's, it's, it's done now. Like mm-hmm. I have to move on. Like I gotta, I gotta, my just, just because my dream was deferred, it doesn't mean it's denied. So I, I felt like there's still room for me to make it. I just got to control what I can control. And that's again, attitude, effort and preparation. And uh, so I just can keep, kept working. I was like, something's going to give, something's going to break. And literally, you know, a couple months down the road, Um, you know, I think in spring football at the time, you know, somebody gets hurt and scholarship opens up and you know, I'm going to Cal. Mm
0: -hmm. Hey man, give thanks. So you keep saying, I've heard you say this a few times, attitude, effort, preparation. Uh, Uh The thing that comes to mind for me is this quote is, uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Oh yeah. Right. So like if you would have like spun out, started drinking, stopped working out, got yourself out of shape, like just had your mind just all over the place after the Notre Dame situation when the cow situation presented itself you wouldn't have been ready cuz you wouldn't have been prepared for it right but then because you were prepared now you're quote unquote lucky so luck is where preparation meets opportunity you know that's that's a yeah i think that's a a such a illuminating moment from from your story and i appreciate you you sharing with us man that's deep
1: oh yeah no no problem man i i think that what anywhere, whether you're athlete or entrepreneur or not, like I, everybody wants a breakthrough moment, but nobody wants to be broken. Mm. So mm. I think that we get our greatest lessons in those moments if we if we challenge it, challenging and channeling it in the right way, like we put it in the right perspective. So I just use it as fuel, man, to help me push me closer to my dream.
0: That's what's up. Buddy. I'm glad. I'm glad you were able to do that. And so then you land, you make it out. You know, what I'm saying to Berkeley, California, which you know, you didn't know this when I uh, reached out to you to be on the podcast, but I actually got to watch your whole career uh, while you were at Cal, and <laughs> so I mean, you 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 lit up the stadium. You know, you you kept you kept it popping up at me- at Memorial. You know, uh, yeah. but I would love to yeah. hear like what was it like for you and what your experience was like in those Cal years and how did they shape you, if at all? Whether it's like on the field in the classroom, whatever, just during during that period of time you were out here on that part of your hustle. What breakthroughs did you have? What did you learn? How did, how did, what do you carry with you till this day as a man because of those years at Cal?
1: Yeah, man, I, I mean, I, can't, I, came, I became a man in the Bay. Like th- those were some formative years for me, uh, being on campus, you know, you know, learning how to have, you know, time management skills and being able to prioritize and schedule and plan and prepare. All those things, you know, happened for me there at Cal, uh, you know, both in the classroom and on the football field because it's competitive in both. Like, it it taught me how to advocate for myself. Like, if um, I wanted to see change, like, I had to spend some time, you know, extra hours, you know, talking and spending time with the professor in the office hours or with my running back coach and figure out ways where I can get better and improve. And, um, and I, you know, I met my wife there, met my business partner there. So, uh, Cal meant a lot to me. It was, it was a amazing time. Uh, it really shaped me in a lot of different ways. Uh, really, really fermented me or rooted me in my, my beliefs, uh, about certain things. And, uh, so, uh berkeley will always have a special place in
0: my heart nah, that, that's what's up man and a couple of things that you mentioned within there is time management and advocating for yourself and like mm-hmm. so like you think the one thing that i try to stress to people when it comes to time management like time and our choices are only two assets that we have and time is the most precious because we can't get it back. It's a perishable inventory. And so being able yep. to manage your time to get what you want out of it is, uh, super valuable. Like what choices do you make with your time to kind of move you closer to your goals? Or are you just really tricking off your time? The other, the other piece is advocating for yourself. Like it's, you gotta have that agency. And when you realize that things are not moving in the direction you need them to move in, you have to be able to speak up for yourself, especially as, as black folks. Cause the system yep. at best ignores us, sometimes it's designed to actually set us back, but at best it's just not even thinking about us, so yep. we, we have to raise our hands to be able to advocate for ourselves to get what we need and so um those are those are two key takeaways that like I wrote down for myself, like r- remain mindful of this, yeah you know
1: what I mean yeah, no, man it's extremely important, man I, I think with, especially around the the time component man It's as you see. You know, life is a vapor, man. You know the You know, with especially with all of the things happening with you know George Floyd, Tamir Rice, you name and list the names that are going on within our community. Nothing is promised, you know, uh, to us. So, how we live each day, we just gotta make it. We gotta make it count, um, because at any given moment, it can be taken from us. Right.
0: That's that's real. That's real. So, you uh, you navigate through your your years at Cal. You. This amazing experience, and then it's time to see if you got what it takes to go to that ultimate level and play in the league. So, t- tell tell me about what that transition from Cal to the league was like, and then what what did you what did you take from your career in the NFL? How how has that shaped you?
1: Oh man, the transition was pretty smooth for me. You know. I was kind of mature for my age. You know, coming in there, I was really level-headed. Uh, right off the bat, I was hit with adversity after getting drafted in the seventh round uh, by the Seattle Seahawks and, you know, making the team, opening day roster, and um, the second week being released and cut, and then going out to Indianapolis and, you know, thinking I'm going to be there for the rest of my career. And then, you know, a month later, I'm cut and I'm back in Seattle. And I finished out my career there, and um, you know, so in that regard, like I had to even mature even faster, and making sure, like, okay, like, like what's going to ha- life after football? You know, within those early years in the NFL, like I had to start preparing during that time. Like it was, it was important for me because of that. Those moments of adversity that I had to overcome early on within my career, and then um, so I started my company while I was in Seattle. My around around year three and four of my career and then after that i just constantly man i had my desire my dream was always like man i want to be you know a hall of fame running back i wanted to be you know uh you know top of my class of the top in 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 the league in my profession and uh you know in year seven i get a breakthrough with the baltimore ravens and you know i make a pro bowl and i'm a top 100 player and you know i get a big paycheck you know to take care of my my family signed a big contract and, uh, you know, I played a couple more years and retired on my own terms. So uh, I, it was, it was, I played for seven teams and, th- and throughout those nine years. So there's a little instability, but it was, it was, a, you know, it was unstable, blessed. Right. That's, a, that's a way uh, to say it. So I got a lot of relationships and connections throughout the country. I like the joke that I'm the Kevin Bacon of the NFL. Like, I know <laughs> everybody, yeah. Like, there's six degrees of separation from yeah. being any player. So, uh, no, nah, it was it was a really good time. I got to live out my dreams and, uh, yeah, propelled me into my next phase of life. That's what's up, man. So what
0: what I hear in that is, like, whether you came in this way or became this way, the NFL ended up not being the end destination. It ended up being right. a means to an end. So, like, did you did you come in? Like, had you always been thinking about life after the NFL or – did you have to like adjust to that once you got there and you saw the instability, like, yo, I, I need to have a
1: plan. <laughs> uh, you know, at, going to Cal, you always think about it. You know, I, I, you know, I have business classes or whatnot and I was thinking about what I wanted to do and I was always into marketing and, you know, I was thinking that, you know, maybe one day I work for an ad agency, work Madison Avenue or something like that. And, uh, cause I just love like branding, storytelling, and the whole like sociology and psychology of it all. And, um, uh, so I thought that may be an option, but if, you know, going me going to the league, I was like, okay, that's going to be the big plan uh, for me, and uh, you know, anything else is kind of a side hustle. But once I got, you know, hit hit with adversity early on, it was just like, okay. And then I saw a stat in Sports Illustrated, my year three, that said eighty percent of NFL players two years after they're retired are either bankrupt, divorced, or depressed. And I'm like, I don't want to be in that number. Right. So it pushed me to kind of think about the future and invest in my future while I was playing because you just never knew what was going to happen. Right.
0: Well, I'm 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 glad you did, and I'm sure the world is going to benefit because you did with Hustle Clean and all the. I'm sure Hustle Clean with all the success is going to come. It's probably not going to be the last thing that you did as well. But a, yep. a thing that it brings up for me is one of my guests uh, last season was his brother Aaron Seabron, uh, and he um another Michigan man and his uh, pops played in the league in the NFL for a long time. And one of the lessons that his pops learned and then passed on to him and, and kind of had it in Aaron's head when he was a teenager, he was like, look, man, at some point you are going to have to figure out how to love life after the game. Like, so if you're a basketball player, baseball player, football player, whatever it is, You're going to have to figure out how to love life once you're done playing. For some people, you're done after high school. For some, you're done after college. But even if you have a 15-year career in the NFL and you come in at 22, now you're 37 years old. you still got so much life in front of you. You have to figure out what are you going to do. You have to answer that question at some point. So I think it's just a beautiful thing that you were able to figure that out early on in your career while you're still relatively young and you're able to like kind of multi- multitask and have multiple, pl- multiple plans at play.
1: Yeah, no, definitely blessed in that regard. I mean, I didn't realize how much time I did have available to me uh, being a professional athlete until I became an entrepreneur and realized I had really no time and I had all the time in the world uh, as an athlete. But right,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Well, all right. Before I get you out of here, there, there are four questions I like to uh, ask uh, every one of my guests just to help illuminate, you know, uh, that it is possible. We, we get told these like narratives that we, we just can't achieve. And that's actually not true. There's a, there's a bunch of brothers who I like to call real ones, you know, folks who have not abandoned their culture, folks who don't, uh, who are still very proudly black and who's come, who've come from same experiences that everyday black people can relate to. So I like to ask these questions to kind of, uh, get get a few nuggets of, of wisdom for folks. So the first one, the first one I ask is tell me a time when somebody went low and you took the high road and because you took the high road it turned out to be in your your best interest.
1: Oh man. <laughs> so when I got fired from Jacksonville and it was uh, like the darkest moment of my career where I mean I wasn't getting any playing time, I begged and pleaded uh, for opportunity and i just was told that you know we know what you can do already and it was just it was my a crazy time that was my sixth year in the nfl i was 28 and uh you know i was uh on uh what is known as the inactive roster which means i just practiced throughout the week and wasn't playing on sunday i was in street clothes right and um uh, and throughout that time I, I ended up getting another shot and I went back into the game, my first play of the game, you know, I, I catch the ball and, you know, go about 40 yards and make a big play on third down and convert. And I break my foot at that moment. And, uh, and I remember uh, the writing was on the wall for me. I was go- That was going to be probably my last year in Jacksonville and doing my exit exam, because in NFL, you always get an exit exam with a coach. And you, they said they were going to cut me. So I'm in the office with, you know, the coach and the general manager at that time and, um it was I was like just like man, I just I'm ready for whatever's next. Like, you know, I knew that I wanted to be all pro running back, but if I wasn't gonna be and I didn't get another opportunity, I'm focusing on being all pro husband, all pro dad and all pro businessman. And uh that was my mindset. So I remember leaving that that office, I prayed for the team and the general manager and the coach at the time. And I left and, you know, uh a couple months later you know, I didn't know if I was going to get signed or not, but I ended up getting signed by the Baltimore Ravens hmm. and I have the biggest year of my career. And my, like my focus was just like on trying to have impact, not only on the field, but in the locker room. And I was just playing free, like, you know, not worrying about criticism and where my position or my depth or where I was on the depth chart. It was just like going out there, just enjoying um, the opportunity and, and all that had to offer. you know, living out my dream and that led to me, you know, again, you know, making a Pro Bowl and, you know, signing a big contract after that year, but it doesn't happen if I don't go through that moment and, you know, it was very low time for me There's some things done to me at that time that was unfair, Um, but just taking the high road led me to, you know, my biggest blessings.
0: That's what's up. Give thanks. That's what's up. So, uh, if you were to describe your journey in one word, what would it be? (laughs)
1: <laughs> In one word, um, perseverance. Mm-hmm. That's what's up.
0: That's what's up. And, and why, why do you think perseverance is so important, has been so important to your
1: journey? Adversity has been consistent throughout my life since childhood. Um, you know, every phase of my life, there was resistance. But also every phase of my life where there was resistance, I pressed through and I overcame. Um, nothing ever defined me. It, was, it always, the obstacles usually refined me and made me better and I persevered. So that's why.
0: Give thanks. That's what's up. Um, if you, if, like, what is your definition of success? No one else even needs to agree with it. But when you think about your life, and like how you're trying to lead, like you mentioned, you're trying to be all pro dad, all pro husband. Like, mm-hmm. like what, is, uh, what is your definition of success that kind of motivates you and how you measure yourself?
1: I think about success and like impact and legacy, like uh, uh, just like a legacy of impact, I guess, you put it together. Uh, just like how you made people feel when you're around them uh, and how, like, whatever you did, like, you left the lasting mark. Like, no one's going to forget, like, just the impression that you made within an organization or a team or in your family. Like, it's just like you were consistently impactful in every phase. Um, yeah, that, that's what I think about. Like, I, that's what I want my, my legacy to be just like, impactfulness. And not only in sports, but just in my family and my community. And in my work. That's that's what's
0: up, man. Well, uh one last question before I let you jump and get back to your very busy schedule. Uh mm-hmm. what do you love the most about being a black man?
1: Man. <laughs> I I just love I love the uh the culture and the beauty of it all. I I just we just got our own like language like um I love the camaraderie. Uh, there's so many things to be just like so appreciative of. And like, I, I wouldn't want to be anybody else. Like, I just, I just like own my blackness and I love everybody. But it's just like, I remember my wife would joke about it all the time. It's like, man, we love our people because <laughs> it's, it's just like, the we, 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 we are not monolithic, but we all kind of share, you know. Similar things like I, I could tell you things about my childhood. I'm probably sure that we would share There'll be some parallel there between what our experiences were in, you know, we grew up in two different places So right now nah, it's it's just so much beauty in our in our culture and that's what I love
0: Yeah, man. Well, I I, uh, I appreciate you coming on here and Sharing like your journey and the adversities that you have to face and how you have to persevere to overcome it and really helping people understand how you could come from, you know, small town in Florida, work your way up, you know, kind of have the rug pulled out from underneath you as a 17-year-old young man just before you're getting ready to go off to, you know, like I said, one of the most historic universities ever. I can only imagine, like, how excited you were then to be deflated, then to end up at, you know, one of the best academic institutions in the world, period. Have a great career there, meet your wife, and then move on to have an amazing career in the NFL. And beyond that, to have launched and established, and I've already started to grow, this really amazing company called Hustle Clean. I'm really excited to see where the brand goes, really excited to see uh, where you and the team takes it. And those of you who are out there, who are out there on your hustle, man, make sure you stop by Walmart, Target, any stores you can check out their e-com. I'm sure they have a a e-com, uh, uh, set up on their website where you can get your hustle clean products and, you know, support this black business. And those of you who are trying to build, hopefully you can learn from justice hustle. Any, anything else you want to say uh, to the folks before we hop?
1: No, man. Uh, I just want to encourage people to, uh, Continue to think outside the box and live outside of boxes. Um, Don't be confined to one thing. Uh, Boxes are for things, not
0: people. (laughs) That's what's up. Give thanks.
1: Well, I appreciate you so much, man. I'll talk with you soon. I appreciate you, bro.